<clears throat> Sorry, Pastor, is there a bottle of water I could use? Yes, sir. I got a dry mouth. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. Did want to thank Pastor and uh, Glory Baptist Church for letting us come and present, uh, but not only to present, but to preach. And to especially in this time and this day and age, uh, I've talked to a lot of churches, um, just calling for meetings, and a lot of them have told me um, that they're not even able to have someone come present because they don't even have the finances for a love offering. Uh, so I just want to thank Glory Baptist Church and Pastor. Uh, you don't know what a big blessing it is just to have us come present, and just want to thank the church for that. And also, I enjoy preaching, so I want to thank uh, Pastor for letting me preach. And I hope, um, I'm probably not as good as your pastor, uh, but I, I believe this is a sermon from God. So I uh, pray that it would be a help to you. I do uh, every day. And uh, um, if you want, uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. If you could, please stand for the reading of God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses, verse 23 through 25. And he brought us out from thence to bring us in, that he might, uh, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. Uh, sorry, just that verse. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. I want to thank you so much for this great honor to preach your word. Lord, thank you so much for this church that prays and has a relationship with you. And I, I know they're um, doing what you want them to do. Lord, I want to thank you for that. pray that you put a blessing on uh, this church and pastor and his family. Lord, just uh, be with um, the church as a family. Lord, I pray that you bless this sermon tonight. Bless me. Fill me with your power. Help me to say nothing you don't want me to say, but everything you do want me to say. Lord, you know I don't want to preach this sermon unless it helps someone today. Lord, I pray it would, and you speak to hearts while I speak to ears. In your name, amen. You be seated. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. The title of the sermon today is From Vice to Victory. You know, God saved us to live in a life of victory. If he saved us just to take us to heaven, uh, he would have taken us to heaven the moment we received him. But no, he has a purpose for us on this earth, and he saved us to live in victory. And the Christian life is given to us by God so we can experience the joy of victory for ourselves and our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Christian life is not supposed to be a burden, but rather rest to our souls. Matthew eleven twenty nine verse, verses 29 and 30, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, this, this Christian life is supposed to be a blessing to us. It's supposed to be, uh, fill us with joy. It's supposed to, um, it says, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And it says, Learn of Him, for He's meek and lowly. And we shall find rest in our souls. You know, it's supposed to be rest to our souls. But the average Christian lives grudgingly and does not have the joy because he doesn't know what true victory is. Yeah. You know, if we want joy, we must have victory. And if we want victory, we must know what causes us to have it and what causes us to lose it. 
Sun Tzu, in The Art of War, he said, If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. And 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You know, according to Christ, the adversary has two weapons that stop us from enjoying victory. So we must know what our uh, enemy brings to us to uh, cause us to not have victory, and we must know what causes us to have victory. So if you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. And the humidity is causing my Bible, the pages to stick together. But uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit in hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And I, I know you all probably know the parable. There's some seed that fell by the wayside. That, um, that represents those who hear the word and, and they don't accept the word. They don't accept Christ as their Savior. But there's, there's two uh, types of Christians that hear the word and they accept Christ. But because they don't have victory... Um, the devil brings something their way that causes them not to have victory. Um, they're not fruitful. They don't have the joy of, of Christ in their hearts. And uh, the thorny, uh, the ones that fell on stony ground represent those that because of hard times, trials, uh, storms in their life, uh, the, the word is quenched and they let their trials and, and um, hard times get in the way of Christ so they don't know true victory. And then those that fell on thorny grounds uh, is... Uh, those that, because of the cares of this life, because of temptations, they fall away and the word is choked. And they don't know true victory because of uh, the cares of this life and temptations. So uh, we know that the, our adversary has these two weapons. It has trials and it has temptations. Every, every time uh, we're caused to not have victory in our lives, it's either because of a trial or a temptation. And in, in the following verses, verses 9 through 14, we see all three enemies of our, our, ours present. Um, if you all know, we have three, three enemies as Christians, and one of them is not our spouse. Uh, we have three enemies as Christians. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil. And verses 9 through 14, we see all three enemies present. And it says, And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed that is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So we see the devil present. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. 
Those that fall, fall on stony ground, the flesh gets in the way of Christ. And those that fall on thorny ground, the world gets in the way of Christ. We see all three enemies present there, and we find that they have two weapons to stop us from enjoying victory, and that's trials and tip- temptations. Every reason that stopped the children of Israel in the wilderness was because of a trial. From entering into the promised land was because of a trial or a temptation. You know, uh, God told them that he brought them out to bring them in to a land of promise. You know, God saved us for a purpose to live in victory. But, and God brought the children of Israel out for a purpose, not so they could wander in the wilderness, but so they can have victory in the promised land. And every, every reason that stopped them from enjoying that victory in the promised land was because of a trial or a temptation. Their constant complaining because of lack of food or water was because of a trial. You know, we, we read in the Bible and we see that all they did was complain and give Moses a hard time, but I don't think any of us could last 40 years in the wilderness. That was truly a trial for them to bear. You know, God took care of them, but that, that was a hard time. That, I don't think it was easy on any of them. That was a trial and that stopped them. They let that stop them from entering into the promised land. Their grudge against Moses and his leadership was because they were bitter against him because of the trials they were facing in the wilderness. Their worship of the calf when Moses was on the mountain came from a temptation when leadership wasn't around. Their fear of the giants was because of a trial. The reason Moses didn't enter into the promised land because of his trial of leadership. You know, he he loved the children of Israel. He'd do anything for the children of Israel. He even put himself in the way of God twice because God wanted to kill the children of Israel. But he told God, kill me instead of them. You know, Moses truly loved the children of Israel. But all he got back was their complaining and their grudge against him. And that was a trial for him, his trial of leadership. And what he let that, that do, he let that cause him to disobey the Lord. He, when he beat the rock instead of speaking to the rock, it was because of his anger. You know, the Bible calls Moses the meekest man on earth. But it's interesting to know that his one mistake was anger. You know, meekness and anger, they're total opposites. But uh, God knew that Moses' greatest strength was meekness, but yet his greatest weakness was anger. You know, if, if he, as the meekest man on earth, could have a problem of anger, I know we can. We can easily. This, this morning I was teaching to a bunch of uh, teenagers, and a couple of them wasn't, uh, weren't listening. And I felt that anger coming up. And I, I just... Uh, finally stopped and and I asked the Lord for forgiveness because we all have a problem with anger especially I guess men we have a problem of anger but you know Moses had that problem and he let his trial get in the way of him and the Lord and he let his trial cause him to disobey the Lord and beat the rock instead of speaking to the rock and he lost the joy of victory because of it he couldn't enter into the promised land because he disobeyed the Lord you know but there's two ways to have victory there's defense and offense we have victory only through battles, through defense. But we can have victory over an enemy only through offense. You know, the only way to win a, a game is through offense. The only way to win a war is through offense. You can't win a war uh, only by defense. You have to have offense. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you turn back there real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, 
to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. We see our offense is to obey the Lord, to obey what he's commanded us. You know, we can only have offense, we can only have victory through obeying the Lord. That was the only way the children of Israel saw victory. That was by obeying the Lord. You know, when they came out of Egypt, there was a time when, when God parted the Red Sea. And, you know, they didn't have to step into the water to part, for him to part the Red Sea. He saw that, uh, he, they saw it parted for them without them having to do anything. But when it came time for victory, when they crossed Jordan, they actually had to step into the water and see victory. You know, when it comes to having victory, we have to get on the offense on, of things. We have to uh, obey the Lord and his commands. The only way we can have victory is by obeying the Lord. You know, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and brought them out, but only for one purpose, to bring them into the promised land. Egypt represents our life before we were saved, and the promised land represents the life we have now as Christians. We could only see victory by obeying the Lord. Psalm 18, verses 3 through 5, if you want to turn there. Psalm 18, verses 3 through 5. It says, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me about. The floods of ungodly men made me afraid. And the sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. You know, we see all three enemies again present in those verses. It says, the sorrows of death compassed me. What's death have to do with? Our flesh. It says, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. What are ungodly men? The world. It says, the sorrows of hell compassed me about, and the snares of death prevented me. That's the devil. All three enemies present there, and it says, so shall I be saved from my enemies. How? It says, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. By obeying the Lord's command to pray to him, to have a relationship with him, and by praising his name, we can see victory in our lives. We can see victory over all three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Like I said, it was good to see a church that prays together. It's only through prayer that we can see victory over our enemies. And prayer is a command to God. God's told us to call upon his name. God's told us to praise him. And it's only by obeying his command to uh, praise and prayer that we can have uh, victory over our enemies. Another way, First John chapter 5, verses 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You know, it says faith is our victory that overcometh the world. Through faith, we can have victory over our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, faith is obedience to God. God wants us to have faith in him. It says James 2.18, it says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You know, Faith is obedience to God. We can't, if we don't obey the Lord, we don't have faith. And it's only by obeying his commands to have faith that we can see victory over our enemies. And another way, lastly, so through praise and prayer, we can see victory over our enemies. Through faith, we can see victory over our enemies. And lastly, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, if you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20.
It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. You know, before Jesus gave them the Great Commission, he proceeded with the phrase, All power is given unto him. You know, he wanted them to know that he has all power. All power belongs to him. And it's only by obeying his command to go that we can have his power. You know, Christians would get God's power back in their life if they obeyed his command to go. You know, the reason why we don't have enough power to stand up against man, against government, is because we don't obey God's, God's command to go. It's because we don't have God's power. But if we want God's power, we can have God's power by obeying his command to go. It says 1 Corinthians 15:57 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory only comes through Christ's power. And we can only have power through obeying his commands. Uh, his command to go. You know, soul winning defeats all three enemies. The devil hates it when more of his children are turned to Christ. The flesh certainly hates telling the, uh, others about Christ. I know uh, when we moved to our home church in Ashton, Kentucky, that was August. Then we started deputation in October. But since we didn't have meetings for two months, I went ahead and uh, did everything I could to help the church and w- would go out soul winning. And I find that each day the flesh always had an excuse not to go. It was either too hot, too cold, or just right, so the flesh wanted to stay at home and do nothing. But, you know, going soul winning defeats the flesh. The more we go soul winning, it defeats the flesh. You know, the flesh is embarrassed when we tell others about Christ, when we tell others we're Christians. Soul winning defeats the flesh. So it defeats the devil, it defeats the flesh, and the world, like I said, it defeats the world because we're turning more of the world to Christ. You know, in the Bible, it talks about destroying the wicked, uh, that we should, um, you know, hate sin so much. But the only way we can destroy the wicked is by turning them righteous. The only way we can defeat the world is by turning the world righteous and turning the world to Christ. You know, soul winning for someone who truly has a heart for souls fixes all areas of the Christian life. If we really want to see people saved, we pray for the Holy Spirit's power. This draws us closer to the Lord through prayer. We search the scriptures so we can be ready to give an answer to every man. This draws us closer to the Lord through the Bible. You know, uh, the Bible says we're supposed to be ready to give an answer to all men. And whenever... uh, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm out soul winning, sometimes you get some pretty odd ideas out there, um, some wacko ideas. I know especially in Chicago, we lived in Chicago for a year after we got married, and there was some pretty wacky ideas up there. I met this one man, he, he said, you know, I, I grew up in church, and I learned the Bible stories, and it was all good in its time, but now that I'm older, I know that that stuff is just an allegory for greater things. He said, I believe Jesus is the Son, S-U-N. And he said, I believe the 12 apostles were the 12 signs of horoscope. I didn't have an answer for that. So I just gave him the gospel and I said, if you want to come visit us, you can. But you know, we're supposed to have, be ready to give an answer to all men. When Paul preached to the Jews, he preached different than he did to the Gentiles. He preached the same scripture, but with the Jews, he would go back and show how Jesus fulfilled every one of the prophecies. He showed them how Jesus was their true Messiah. You know, God wants us to be ready to give an answer to all men. So what's that do when we're not ready? That causes us to go to the scripture and read the word and causes us to get closer to the Lord through scripture. So our relationship is fixed if we go. 
And then when we're uh, closer to the Lord and reading the Bible, um, we find out what the Lord wants, how he wants us to act, how he wants us to live, how he, what, he, what he wants us, you know, to, how he wants us to live. It fixes our, our outward appearance and it fixes our inside as well. So soul winning fixes all areas for someone that truly wants to see saved souls. souls. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Saved sold. Soul. I can't even say it. So for someone who truly wants to do it, it draws us closer to the Lord. You know, we would see victory in America if the church got back to soul winning. We shouldn't be surprised when our legislatures make unmoral decisions. We can't expect unsaved people to have a moral compass. The only morals unsaved people have are through conscience, and the conscience can easily be manipulated through bribes, through uh, blackmail, through anything. The conscience could be manipulated. We can't expect unsaved people to live up to the word of God. They're not going to do it because their ways are the ways of the devil. They're children of the devil if they're not saved. You know, I remember in Kentucky two terms ago, we voted in uh, super majorities of Republicans. I believe now 80 of our 100 representatives in Kentucky are Republicans and 30 of our 36 senators are Republicans. You know, they haven't done any good being in there, having super majorities. We thought we were going to get some uh, pro-life bills passed and their life bills that they're passing aren't much better than the ones they had. And the first thing they did was legalize gambling when they were in office. The Democrats have been trying to legalize gambling for 10 years in Kentucky and had failed when we got super majorities of Republicans in there. First thing they did was legalize gambling. And then I remember a lot of Christians were surprised, were shocked that they would do that. But unless they're saved, they don't have a moral compass. And the only reason why America was founded as a Christian nation was because of saved people that obeyed God's command to go, because of the influence of the church, because most of the people we voted in were people from our pews, people that went to church themselves, people that knew the Bible themselves. And uh, there's a story I'd like to share before I finish. Uh, have you all ever heard of John Randolph? I don't know if anybody's ever heard of John Randolph. He's America's first Muslim representative. He was raised as a, in the Episcopal Church, but he was influenced by skeptical philosophers such as Voltaire. And he grew to hate Christianity so much that he converted to Islam. And so he was uh, elected as a representative and one day he wished to meet up with his dear friend, Francis Scott Key. How many of y'all know who Francis Scott Key is? He's the one that wrote the Star Spangled Banner. But because of some, some inconveniences, he wasn't able to meet up with his friend, so he penned this letter to Key. He said, Of the necessity for forgiveness, I have the strongest conviction, but I cannot receive any assurance that it has been accorded to me. In short, I'm in the worst conceivable situation as it respects my internal peace and future welfare. I want aid in the company and conversation of such a friend as yourself might assist in dispelling, for a time at least, the gloom that depresses me. You know, he knew he had a friend in Francis Scott Key, and he called out to his friend for help because he was in a, I believe he wanted to commit suicide. He was in such a great state of depression. So Francis Scott Key wrote back. He said, I will trust you will find within yourself a counselor and comforter who will guide you into all peace. If notwithstanding all your doubts and misgivings, you are sincerely and earnestly desirous to know the truth and resolve to obey it, cost what it may, you have the promise of God that it shall be revealed to you. If you are convinced you are a sinner, that Christ alone can save you from the sentence of condemnation incurred by your sins. Sounds to me he was giving him the plan of salvation. He said, if you're convinced you're a sinner, that Christ alone can save you from the penalty of sin and from the dominion of them, 
If you make an entire and unconditional surrender of yourself to his service, renouncing that of the world and of yourself, if you thus humbly and faithfully come to him, he will in no wise cast you out. Francis Scott Key was a soul winner. You know, for two years after this letter, John Randolph struggled with accepting Christ. But then after two years, he wrote another letter to Francis Scott Key. He said, congratulate me, dear Frank. I'm at last reconciled to my God. I have assurance of his pardon through faith in Christ against which the very gates of hell cannot prevail. Fear hath been driven out by perfect love. I now know that you know how I feel. And within a month for the first time, I understand your feelings and character and that of every real Christian. You know, John Randolph knew he had a friend in Scott, Francis Scott Key. He knew that Francis Scott Key had a joy he didn't have. And the only reason why Francis Scott Key had that joy is because he knew what victory uh, was. He knew what victor, uh, the victorious Christian life was. And he only knew that because he obeyed the Lord. His, his command of prayer, his command of faith, his command to go. And John Randolph knew his friend had that joy and that victory. And he wanted what his friend had. So he, that's the first person he reached out to when he had depression. But Francis Scott Key was a soul winner. He had the joy only because he lived in victory. And he lived in victory only because he obeyed God's command. You know, God's brought us out of a life of sin to bring us into a life of victory. But if we want victory in our lives, in our family, in our churches, and in our nation, we must recognize the weapons of our enemy and obey God's commands. We must know what causes us to lose victory and what causes us to have it. And I pray this message has been a blessing to you. Let's every head bowed and every eye closed. We'll pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for allowing me again for this opportunity to preach your word. I pray that there's someone here that needed that sermon. Lord, I pray that that sermon helps someone. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that they accept you tonight. Lord, I pray that for those who do know your, uh, their Savior, that we choose to live in victory by obeying you, from, uh, by realizing the weapons of our enemy, and by obeying your commands to go, to pray, and to have faith in you. Lord, I pray that that sermon did help someone with every head bowed and every eye closed. I know this is Sunday night, but I, I don't like leaving without asking this question. If you're here today and you don't know 100% sure that you're going to heaven, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You don't know 100%. You may think you know 90% or 99%, but you don't know 100% that Jesus is your Savior, that you're going to heaven when you die. If that's you, could you raise your hand? So if you do know that Christ is your Savior, that you do know 100% that you're going to heaven, could you raise your hand? So, so according to most of our testimony today, we do know that Christ is our Savior. You know, God wants us to have joy. God wants us to have victory. And we can only see victory if, if we get back to obeying the Lord's commands. And I know this church prays. I know this uh, church has faith. And I know this church goes. But as I prayed in this, uh, this morning before I preached the message uh, I pray that this sermon would help someone. And if, uh, so this is just for me with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that sermon helped you, could you raise your hand? If you need that sermon, praise the Lord. All glory goes to God. I'm going to turn this uh, service back over to Pastor. And uh, thank you, Pastor, and thank you, Church. Let's stand here tonight to our feet. Appreciate it, my brother. Yes, thank you. The subject of victory is very important, isn't it? To live that victorious life. That's, that's what the Lord would have us to live. Victories in Jesus. We pray tonight that you have victory. We don't pray that you're just saved. We pray that you're saved and serving. 
there's your victory. Amen. Amen. Tonight, we always, I think, cut our lives short or our children short. We said, God, we just want you to save our children. We just want you to save our spouse. We just want to save our neighbor. But, you know, we want more than that. We want them serving. Because that's where victory's at. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder tonight as our heads are bowed, Brother George, you come. And, and uh, as we are praying and thinking, I wonder tonight, I got one question, is do you have victory? Do you have victory tonight? If you don't, won't you come? I'm talking about victory in your Christian life. I'm not talking about being saved tonight. The majority of you have already made professions of faith. and Only you and God know whether you're saved. But do you have victory? Victory tonight. Victory over yourself. Victory over the TV. Victory over your phone. Victory over your anger. Victory over your eyes, your ears. Victory over your mouth. Victory. Victory. Do you tonight? Maybe you need to come pray. It's time to do that. Some have come. Would you come? So well, I need victory tonight. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But I need victory. I need victory in witnessing. I need victory in reading my Bible, praying. I need victory about being faithful to the house of God. I need victory about just being a Christian, living for Jesus, honoring Christ, making Him the Lord of my life, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Victory tonight. Tomorrow when you go to work, will people see victory in you? When you open your mouth and you tell the story, will they hear victory? Or will they hear grumbling and complaining and griping? How the world's bad and how the president is this and how the economy is rough and inflation is high. How the cost of milk and gas has done rolls and and how the times that we live in are difficult. And that's not victory tonight. Victory is telling that Jesus has provided. Jesus will provide. I've got victory tonight. Do you have victory? You sing, Brother George. Many has come. Would you come? Victory tonight. Do you have victory? Don't leave out of here tonight without it. Victory tonight. I'm victorious, Lord. Victory tonight. How about you tonight? It's time to maybe just lay down right where you are. Begin to pray to a thrice holy God. God, you brought victory in my life and salvation and sin and death and hell and the grave. And now I need victory in the life that you asked me to live. That I may live for you with all my heart, soul, and mind and strength. I give you my all. I surrender it all, Lord. I'm dedicated, determined, desired. I'll be what you want me to be. I do what you want me to do, God. I want victory. And victory is in my life. Many have come. Many are praying. How about you tonight? How about you?